0: Amen. Awesome. What great worship, man. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Hey, it's my first opportunity to tell you guys a uh, happy new year. You know, I was out last week, but I'm uh, glad to be here with you guys. And hopefully the new year is off to a good start with maybe new, some new goals and some new, uh, you know, aspirations or maybe some new discipline. Maybe that's the main thing we need. It's just a little discipline, right? But I wanted to share a, a couple things with you that I think are pretty incredible I know Tony shared a little bit about the Big Give offering last week, but I want to kind of give you a little bit of background behind some of that. So if you're joining us online, welcome. We're so glad you guys are a part of the service today. But, uh, you know, we were able to take up $140,000 for the Big Give offering. Y'all give, up, give it up for God on that. And then let me tell you a little bit about that. So here, here's a cool thing just kind of to show you the increase that God has done on that. So I just want to say this to the church first and foremost. I want to say to you, thank you for believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, Thank you for believing in missions and that you are willing to invest in that so that it goes to the ends of the earth. I just want to say thank you to the church. So here's the cool thing about that. Last year we took up $85,000, but at the end of the year I had someone, I had, a, I had a letter come in. I got to my desk, it was right there at the end of the year, and, uh, and Pastor Daniel's in my office and I opened it up and it was a big envelope. And I said, hey man, maybe it's a big check for the big give or maybe it's a, a big check, you know, to help the church or something like that. And just kind of joking, I opened it up. And I'm like, OK. And I turn it around. I said, am I reading that right? I said, does that say $100,000? And it was a $100,000 check. And uh, he goes, man, he goes, who's that from? I said, I don't know. And I turn it back around. And, and anyway, it's a, the guy's name. I recognize the name. And I, I have to recall who it is. And it's a kid from my youth group from like years ago, back in 1998. He was in our youth group. And uh, he said, hey, Mike, he said, uh, you sewed into my life many years ago, my opportunity to sew into your ministry. And, I mean, I'm Florida, $100,000 check, and I'm like, Oh if it's real. No, I'm just kidding. And, anyway, so I was like, well, let's, uh, so I, I, I looked him up, and I said, hey, man, I said, I am Florida. I said, you know, how exactly are you wanting to do this? He said, man, I trust you use it however God leads you to uh, use it to share the gospel. I said, awesome. So we took 15 of that, and we put it with the big give, the 85. So we got to 100,000 last year, and then the rest of that money was used for other missions and other outreach opportunities around here, and also to help support our CR ministry, which I feel like is one of our greatest missions that we do here at the church. And so anyway, so all of that was going towards that. So last year we gave 85,000. This year 140,000. That's a 61% increase if you guys can do the math on that. That is substantial for our church to say, you know what? We believe ...in the gospel of Jesus Christ and we believe in missions. And so let me just kind of give you this too, kind of as an update. So already, even like this week, we were able to buy chairs and TVs and some equipment stuff... ...for a church in Las Vegas that is trying to reach a a group of about 60,000 people... that ...where there is no evangelical voice in that area. And so our church was able to help support them by buying some things... ...because they're launching in a new facility this weekend. So that's one way. Then Ken Gallion, a good friend of ours, was called to Africa... He's getting on a flight today. He's got a team that's leaving today. They've been praying for God to give them the clear so they can get through because of COVID testing and all that. To go to Uganda where they're building a medical clinic that we're a part of that as well. And I mean, he's been sending me pictures all week long of the progress of the footers, the, the walls going up, everything about it. And so just knowing that the gospel we will be presented as people come in to have medical needs met, they will also meet their spiritual needs. So I just want to say to you guys as a church, man, I am so proud of our church for having that kind of heart. Y'all can clap it up for God on that. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. So today we are kicking off a new series, and I'm excited about this as well. And, and it's called you know, Life-Changing Prayers. And we believe in the power of prayer here at Journey Church. And so to me, even that big give offering, that is answered prayer. You know, if you'll remember, I said, hey, I'm just trusting God to move on the hearts of His people. And whatever you give, that you would just be obedient to God. And for God to to show up like He did, that is just, to me, answered prayer. And so that prayer being answered will change the lives of people in Uganda and in Las Vegas and really all over the world as we share and invest in, in missions and missionaries as they are on the front lines of, of ministry right now. And so I just want you guys to know, I believe that this could really change our church in a major way, This just the application of the text and the application of God's word, if we really become a people of prayer, if we really have that heart for prayer, there's no telling what God will do. If you were listening to the songs that we were just singing, just the lyrics, we're talking about, man, He can do the impossible. There's nothing impossible with God. And so, I want us to look today at this one as Lord teaches how to pray. Now, I know many of you guys may be thinking about a certain passage, and we're going to read that passage, today, but that's really not what we're unpacking today. What I want you guys to do is I want you as a church, and for us as a church together, and for those of you guys online, you can go to the website and get this, but this is a prayer guide that will really help unpack Luke chapter, uh, it's Luke 11, I think, 1 through 4. And, and so we're going to unpack that, but that's really not what we're unpacking today. So this is what we will do this week as we pray together. So tomorrow, we'll be beginning our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We'll talk about fasting at the end. So y'all can, you know, you don't have to read that right now. Y'all read that this week, alright? So right now, I want you to kind of dig into some other stuff that we're gonna kind of unpack today. So what is, what prayer is not? I think sometimes it's good to start with, hey, what is, what prayer is not? Because a lot of us have maybe some, some bad conceptions of what might be, maybe prayer is, or we've seen it modeled in a bad way, and, uh, or either we, we just, we just kind of took it upon ourselves and we thought, well, that's what prayer is and it's not. So I want us to look at what prayer is not. Prayer is not a way to manipulate God. I think sometimes we think, well, if I pray enough, I can manipulate God. I can, I can twist His arm and I can get Him to do what I want done. And it's not manipula- manipulation of God. If anything, it's us surrendering to God. That's what prayer does. Prayer puts us in alignment with God. It, it, it's something that helps us to, to die to self, to surrender to self and say, God, I really want Your will to be done. So prayer is not a way for me to manipulate God. And I think a lot of times in this day and age, especially with some of the teaching that's out there, it's almost like, hey, you can get God to do whatever you want Him to do, and that's not the way that works. That's that's a false teaching. That's a bad teaching. And so what we want to look at today is what prayer is not. But we also want to see what prayer is as, as well. But here's a couple of other things that it's not. Prayer is not moving God to our point of view. It's not moving God to our point of view. If anything, we're saying, God, I want you to open my eyes to help me see your point of view. That's what prayer really is. Instead, we often think, I I just need to pray enough to where God will see this and understand what really needs to happen. And he will do what I want done. And we're not manipulating God and we're not trying to convince him to see it the way that we want it to be seen. If anything, we are saying, God, help me to see What you have for me God help me to see your best God give me eyes to see I pray that all the time God give me eyes to see Give me ears to hear What you're saying to me Every week when I prepare a message I'm telling you I ask God God give me ears to hear What you want to say to your people It's not what I want to say to you guys Because I don't really have anything To bring to the table It's what God brings to the table And so we've got to be able to say God help me to hear What you want to say God help me to see What you want to show me God I want your perspective Not mine And then here's another one Prayer is not giving God instructions to follow. I think there are times we think, well, I just need to tell God what he needs to do. But, you know, that's that's a self-centered prayer. And over and over and over in Scripture, we see prayer, the primary focus is God-centered prayer. Father, it's it's, it's about you. Father, may your will be done. It's not about what I'm bringing to the table. And it's not me saying, hey, God, I need you to do this. And I need you to do this. And I need, we're not giving him instructions to follow. That's That's what prayer is not. So let's look at what prayer is. So what is true prayer? True prayer is the most basic definition of prayer is talking with God. It's talking with God. It's conversation with God. And and let me tell you, you know, I I know many of you in the room go, you know, I'm not, I don't really know how to pray. You probably do. And you just have been taught that it was something more or you've seen and thought it was something more. And so maybe you think, well, I can't pray real elegant prayers like some people pray. You don't have to. It may be more for a man's ear than it is for God's ear. You know what I'm saying? So it's about listening, saying, hey, God, I want you to teach me how to communicate with you. And, and so, so the most basic definition of prayer is talking with God. So talking is having a conversation. Now, here's the thing. Having a conversation with God is, is two, two ways. You know, we're sending, we're speaking to someone, and here's the thing, we're receiving. So, again, we say, God, give me ears to hear your voice. God, help me to hear your, your teaching, your understanding. I want to know what you have for me. So here's, here's what I would say. We have to work at both of those. So we have to work at listening and we also have to work at communicating or speaking or sending a message. So communication is sending messages and receiving, sending a signal and receiving a signal. And so many guys may know what this is like. Maybe. Some of you, you've been talking to someone and their eyes are kind of glazed over and they're like, you know what? They're not getting this. They're not picking up what I'm putting down. You know what I'm saying? And for some of you ladies, it may be been when your husband was watching a football game, you know, he's kind of locked in on that and you're going, Hey, listen, will you do the dishes? Uh-huh. And you know, you know what? That didn't go anywhere. He didn't get that. And so you had sent a message, but it was not received because a little bit later he'll say, when did you tell me to do that? Right? You know, you know what happens, you know, or maybe it's something different like that, but we are, we have to be willing to hear it. And then speak it or whatever. It's says a sending and a receiving of, of messages. And so in a conversation with God, we're bringing our requests. We're bringing our petitions. We're bringing our requests before God. But we're also listening. It's not just a, a, a dump list and a wish list and all this. But it's saying, God, I want to hear from you. And so it's, it's speaking and it's, it's listening. And have you ever been around somebody where they never will stop speaking? You don't have to point at them right now. I'm just saying, you ever been around somebody like that? They don't ever shut up. you like, you know, I was telling somebody earlier, I I would not, I had a, I had a bad tension headache one day. I mean, I was about to just throw up. It was one of those. And Laurie goes, why don't you go get a massage? And I'm like, man, that's a great idea. So I go and get a massage and I get in there and the girl would not shut up and my headache got worse. Does that make sense? You ever had a massage like that? And I'm like, "Why?" I just paid her to torture me, you know? And so so sometimes, you know, we've got to be willing to slow down and listen. And we've got to sometimes be quiet. I love what Pastor Daniel covered last week about being still finding that time, finding that moment where, you know, we're we're just quiet. We're listening for that small, still voice of God. And sometimes in this crazy, hectic schedules that we keep, man, we don't make time for God. And you don't make any time, but you've got to be willing to take it out of your schedule. And say, God, I just need to meet with you. Maybe it's just for a few minutes, but God, I want to be still and hear your voice. And and so it's having that conversation with God. I love this uh, quote by Max Lucado. We speak, he listens. He speaks, We listen. This is prayer in its purest form, and God changes His people through such moments. So, God does speak to us. He speaks through His Word. Sometimes He speaks through circumstances. Sometimes He speaks through a song, through the lyrics of a song. Man, God has ministered to me. He's, he's spoken through someone. I can remember one time being at a conference, and a guy was teaching, and, and he was talking about being, you know, a, a, a part time uh, Christian and a full time pastor, and man, it just broke my heart. It's like, man, is that my mentality? But God used that to speak to me. And so we've got to have that mentality, you know, God, I want, I want you to speak to me. And so here's the passage out of Luke that we're going to unpack this week through the prayer guide. And it says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So the disciples had seen that, you know, man, Jesus' time in prayer is is powerful, you know. And, man, when he prays, things happen. When he blesses fish, man, they multiply. When he blesses bread, it multiplies. And it was just like, man, Jesus, we want to be able to pray the way that you pray. And we can see that that is your power source, your connection with the Father. And so they wanted that. So Jesus said, this is how you should pray. So he gives us what we call, many would call it this, the Lord's Prayer, but it's really the model prayer. So, Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. And so... With that passage there, we see that, you know what, we're to pray in that way. So he gives us a model to pray, right? And then here's another one. We're to pray fervently and passionately. So I want this week, all of you, you guys online, you can go to our, our website and get the prayer guide. And I want you to work through each day. We take a little part of that, that passage out of Luke, and we work through that. And so we're going to unpack that this week as a church. And I want us to be praying some things. I'll give you some things at the end that I want you to be praying for as a group. But I want us to... Consider how we could pray fervently and passionately the way that Jesus did. So that's a model prayer that's given for us. And, and we could look into John chapter 17. There's another prayer where Jesus is praying, you know, for the believers. And that includes us, all believers that would believe in the message of the gospel. But I want us to look at this passage here. And this is out of Luke as well. But let me just say this. We, we're familiar with this because this is Jesus praying in the garden. He's headed to the cross. I mean, he, he, he is focused, he is bent, he is saying, you know what, that is the destination, I'm headed to the cross. He's coming to Jerusalem, you know, I mean, it's, it's everything's there, you know, and he's moving in this direction. He knows that the cross is in front of him. But he's the, in the hours before that, and so he's praying. It says, then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room. He's just told, you know, the one who's going to betray him, hey, go and do what you're going to do. He knows he's about to be betrayed. He says, then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He's saying to the disciples, hey guys, I need you praying. So here's Jesus, the Son of God, is telling his disciples to be praying. So he's telling us, hey, you know what, we need to be about prayer. As a church, we need to be about prayer. As an individual, I need to be about prayer. As a dad, I need to be about prayer. As a husband, I need to be about prayer. So every one of us need to understand that Jesus is telling them, hey listen, pray that you won't be tempted. Pray that you won't give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw, and he knelt down, and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And so here's Jesus. He knows what he's facing. And we've talked about this a lot. We see the humanity of Christ here. You know, he is fully God, but yet he is fully man. He knows what is ahead of him. He knows that the cross is in front of him. The beatings, the scourgings, the mockery. I mean, everything that's going to take place, he knows what's coming. He's all he's, He knows what is coming his way. And he's, he's saying, Father, is there another way? Father, you know, not my will, but your will be done. Father, I know what I'm facing. And it's kind of like I was telling somebody earlier, it's kind of like whenever I was a kid, I remember thinking for the first time, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go off the high dive. And I was all for it. I'm like, I'm in. You know what? And I saw somebody else go off of it. And I'm like, if they can go off of it, I'm going off of it. So I'd get up, and I got on the high dive, and i get up, and i walk out to the end of it. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know. I started kind of second-guessing, like maybe uh, maybe I need to wait for this, you know, and, and everybody's, go and jump off of, you know, and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, you know, and I'm thinking, I can't walk back down the steps. Man, if I do, they'll make fun of me or whatever. But I'm there and I'm kind of debate. But there's a part of me going, man, I don't want to jump off because if I mess up, man, I'm just going to, man, I'm going to be burned by the water. You know, I'm just going to slap on the water. And, and, and I'm, I'm nervous. But, you know, I, eventually I go ahead and go. But it took some coaxing in it for me to get there. And, and so here's Jesus. Jesus, you know, might say, well, Jesus is not a scaredy cat. He's not a scaredy cat, but he knows what's in front of him. And the humanity of him is saying, hey, listen, man, this is going to be tough. Father, is there another way? Father, not my will, but your will. God, whatever you say, you know, God, I'm willing to do whatever you have in mind. It says, and then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Don't you love that? See, there's times that we're facing something that we go, man, I don't really want to go through with this. But God, not my will, but your will. And Father, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I've got what it takes. But he says that he sent an angel to strengthen him. And there's times that we, you know what, we can't make it in our own strength. We can't just push through. We can't just keep pressing on in our own strength. And it takes God sending, you know, his strength. He'll give us what we need to make it through, whatever that might be. And and, and I love that. that, that it says that God sent an angel to, to, to strengthen him. He prayed more fervently. I love this. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit. The sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. So Jesus is in anguish here. I mean, the, the full force of humanity he's dealing with. And so that stress, you know, I was talking about a tension headache. That's just a tension headache. All right, he's dealing with the stress of the weight of the world. The sin of the world is about to be placed on him. You know, the, 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 what, the sins that you've committed, that I've committed, all that is about to be placed on the Son of God, on Jesus Christ. And, man, he, he's, he's realizing that humanity is screaming out, saying, man, this is going to be too much to bear. But God strengthens him. God gives him what he needs to keep moving forward. And man, he's praying to the point that literally it's like sweats. It's, 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 his sweat is literally drops of blood. And physiologically, there's a way that that takes place. And it's from such an intense amount of stress that it literally begins to form. And there's capillaries in here that begin to break. And that he is literally sweating blood. It's how intense and how feverishly he's praying here. He's asking for the Father's will to be done. And he is wearing himself out physically. At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples only to find them asleep. Exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. And so Jesus is thinking, man, all I ask you to do is pray. Can't you guys pray for just a little bit? Can't you just pray for me? Because Jesus is going through this. And, and, and so I think whenever we look back at this, we realize, man, he is, he's wore out physically. So he understands when we're wore out physically. I, I hear some people, you know, talking about, man, they're just exhausted physically. Jesus understands what that feels like. You know, and, and he will strengthen us. He'll give us what it takes to move through that. And there's times we just need God. I need your strength. We need to pray for that. Prayer's not always answered as we might wish. Jesus asked the Father, is there a different way? But he said, "No, nope, it's not a different way. I'm just going to strengthen you. You're going to make this. And so there's prayers that maybe you've prayed and you've, you've got, you know, God, why have you not answered this prayer? Well, maybe it's God's will that, you know, you continue to walk through that. Or maybe it's God's will that, you know, or maybe there's sin in your life. Maybe you've got sin in your life that you have not confessed. And God said, hey, listen, man, until you get your heart right, don't come to me with that. But there's times that Prayer is not always answered as we might wish. And here's Jesus saying, Father, is there a different way? Then I'll go that way. But, God, not my will, but your will be done. And so whatever you're going through, maybe you're going through a financial struggle. And you go, God, why have you not just provided? Why not a check out of the air like Mike was talking about? You know, why not? But maybe God said, hey, listen, you're going to work through this. And I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to strengthen you. And I'm going to show you what steps to take. But you got to trust me. And maybe maybe your marriage or maybe your family's going through a tough time and you go, you know, God, I don't know why you're having an answered my prayer. Maybe you say, hey, listen, you're going to have to trust me. And I'm going to strengthen. You're going to do it one day at a time, one step at a time. But we're going to get through this and we've got to be willing to trust him. So prayer is not always answered as we wish it might be, you know, and, and maybe you've had a loved one who, you know, you prayed for and you thought, well, you know, God, God's going to heal him and they died. Well, maybe it was the fact that God wanted to heal them completely. You know, oftentimes we want them here. That's a selfish prayer at times. But it may be that God said, hey, listen, I want to take them home. There's no more tears. There's no more suffering. There's no more pain. And, you know, just this past weekend we had someone we were praying for that, you know, they uh, that went home to be with the Lord. And we're like, you know what? They're ultimately healed. They got the ultimate healing. Now, we want them here. And we grieve their loss. But for many of them, man, they're more alive than they've ever been. Man, they're walking with Jesus. You know, they're, they're enjoying heaven. Everything that we're hoping for, everything we're, we're praying for, they're enjoying that. And so our deepest struggles and agonies can be shared with God. Jesus modeled that, didn't he? Man, he's struggling and he's, he's pouring it out. He's, he's just sh- saying to God, this is where I'm at. Father, this is where I'm at. And so for us, we've got to know that, you know what? We can bring our deepest, darkest secrets to God. He already knows everything that I'm, I'm dealing with, right? He knows every thought that I think. He, before I ever speak something, he knows what I'm going to say. He's all knowing. And so whenever we get our mind around that, that, you know, God already knows everything that I can be honest and transparent and I can I can just literally dump everything that I'm feeling out in front of God. And he's OK with that. He can handle that. He loves it when we confess our sins and say, God, I've been living and sin." God, I'm confessing this to you. That's agreeing with him. But he loves it whenever we repent as well. We say, God, I want to quit living that way. I want to turn to you and I want to put my trust in you, not in me and not in this stuff that I'm doing. God, I trust you. So when we look at that, we, we realize, you know what, I can, I can share anything with God. I had a friend of mine used to say, he said, man, God's got a big chest. He can take it. And sometimes we just, you know, we're angry with God and we're mad at God and we're frustrated with God. Well, God already knows that it's okay to be honest with him and just let that out and have that conversation with him because that's what we're doing in prayer. We're saying, God, I'm angry. God, I am mad. You know what? He can handle that. And so we're able to talk with God in that way. God's will, not our plans, must be the goal. It's, it's got to be about, you know, God, I want what you want. It's not about what I want. It's not my desires, God. It's really about me lining it with you. And so the more that we line up, that's what Jesus modeled. God, I want, I want, to, be, I want to be lined up with you. I want to be in the center of your will. Because let me just say this. God's will is the best place. It may not be the safest place, but I'm telling you, it is the best place. And so whenever we say, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want to do. God, I trust you. I lean into you and God, I give you my life. And so whenever we, we allow that, we allow God to work in us. Then what we do is we find, we line up with God's plan and God's purpose. I was thinking about Ken Gallion, who I was talking about earlier, Ken, who today has been sent over the weekend has been sending messages out. Now, don't y'all love group text? Uh, he's got to be in some kind of group text and, and he's asking for prayer because they're trying to get to Uganda where they're building this medical clinic and, uh, and he's trying to get over there and trying to get back over to Africa. And so Ken, whenever he felt called to the minister or he, he gave his life to Christ, he felt God calling him to the minister. He said, God, I'll do anything, but I won't go to Africa. And, you know, of course, you know how God is. God changed that whole plan for him. And he said, he said Ken, if you really want to align it with me, if you really want to do my will, then I'm going to use you in Africa. And I'm just telling you, there's nobody that I know that is more anointed in Africa. Whenever he preaches, man, I'm telling you, people get saved by the droves. But Ken Gallion has a calling to Africa. That's the name of his ministry. It's called Africa. It's one of the ministries that we support. And so he's trying to get over there. Well, he got cleared for COVID and everything like that. And his team got cleared. So they're flying out and they're headed to Africa. But the funny thing is, is here's Ken saying, hey, God, I'm never going to Africa. Now he's praying, God, hey, man, everybody, if y'all will pray that I can get to Africa. Pray that I can get over there and do what God's will is for his life. And so there he is anointed. There he's an incredible uh, minister. And, man, he has such a heart and a passion for those people. It's incredible to watch. But God had to change his whole plan. And so God's will, not our plans, must be the goal. That's what we've got to focus on. So here's another thing. We need to, we need to pray desperately. You ever ever been desperate for God to do something? I think sometimes when we're desperate, we're more attuned to God than we are at any other time. Now, now none, none of us in here wants to be desperate. Nobody wants to be desperate what we want is we want everything to flow according to schedule. We want everything to be on time. We want everything to work out the way that we had intended. We want to kind of, you know, kind of have our vision, have our dream and have everything work the way that we want it to. That's what we want. But sometimes God doesn't work that way. And so I, I'm just saying there are times whenever we're so desperate that, you know, that we're more attuned to God. We're, we we have greater ears to hear him than ever before. And so I think it's important for us sometimes to be desperate. And I'll just say this. I believe that the church as a whole, the body of Christ, the church, should be as desperate as ever to see, man, the revival take place, to see awakenings take place, to see the lost coming to know Christ. I mean, we're we're seeing so much negativity in the media and everything. And and it ought to be moving us to be desperately praying for God to do something rather than just, just whining and complaining. That we, as his people ought to be praying, say, God, change us first. God, use us to make a difference in our community. God, help us to be desperate. So we ought to pray desperately for, for God to move. And maybe that's where God's got you. Maybe you're finally at a desperate place where you're pleading with God to move and God, for God to do something. I want to share a story here with you. It's actually two stories in one, but both of these are desperate for God. So now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him. And look at this. So then a man named Jarius, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house. He's pleading. That's a sign of desperation, right? So here's a man, he's a a synagogue leader, so he's a religious leader, which that is not really a cool thing to do in that day, was to go to Jesus, because Jesus was considered to be a problem. He was a troublemaker. So this man named Jarius... The synagogue leader, he comes and he falls at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house. And why does he want him to come to his house? Because he's desperate. Because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. And as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one, no one could heal her. She's desperate. She came up behind him and touched the edge of the cloak, of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. They're like, Jesus, everybody's touching you. Everybody's pressing in, you know, and everybody's touching you. It's like, you know, this mob that he's trying to work his way through. But there's this woman who has this issue of blood who, man, so it's so desperate. And she's just like, if I can just, if I can just get in there and if I can just touch the hem of his garment, You know, and and you think about the hem of his garment, down around his feet. Maybe she got down on her hands and and, and knees or whatever and crawled in and was just, if I can just touch the edge of his cloak, if I can touch the hem of his garment, that will be enough. She believed with that kind of faith that, hey, if I can just touch him, he'll heal me. She was desperate. She tried everything. Jairus is desperate. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. He knew there was something different about that touch. He knew that power had gone out from him. And then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And see, in that day, she would have been ostracized and, and shunned because of the issue of blood. That was a That was an unclean thing for her. And so here... She was embarrassed to be able to say this or be able to tell anybody this. But she literally has to tell everybody, you know, what has happened. And that she was instantly healed. And then Jesus said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Men her faith. You know, I was talking with a guy this past week, one of our prayer team leaders. And, and we were talking about, you know, just praying in faith. And we had an incredible time here yesterday. Our prayer team met here. We had a luncheon and we, we prayed over this room. We prayed over the chairs. We prayed over the chair you're sitting in. And you know, we prayed over this room, and you know, we, he and I were talking, and I said, you know, what, what if we had faith like this, the seed of a mustard seed? What if we had faith that we could pray over people and they were healed? What if we had faith that we could pray over seats and people would show up? You know, and we are just talking about, you know, what, what if we had faith? And, and here's what happens when faith is in the equation. Jesus said, hey, listen, your faith has healed you. He didn't even say, hey, I've healed you, but your faith in me, your faith has healed you. And so faith is such a critical part of our walk and our relationship with God, right? I mean, it's, it's critical that we have this faith in who Jesus is. Our focus is on Jesus. It's not on other things, but our focus is on him. You know, and and God, can, God can heal us any way he wants to. Maybe you've got a, something you're battling. You know, God can use medicine. He can use doctors and technology. He can use all kinds of things. You know, maybe, you know, you've got emotional healing that you need. God can use counselors. I I was at a conference not too long ago, and the guy was like, he said, man, we believe in the power of prayer. He said, but you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to be praying as I go to my counselor. I'm going to be praying as I go to my doctor. I'm going to be praying for God to heal me however God wants to heal me. So we can't say, you know, I'm not going to use anything that God doesn't, you know, the the south there. It's only going to be Jesus going to heal me. That's it. That's the wrong mentality. Sometimes we've got to say, God, however you want to heal me, God, I'm good with it. I just want you to get the glory, and I want it to be your will. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus and the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. He said, "Don't bother the teacher anymore." Can you imagine getting that news? Jairus is desperate. Amen. He just got this this death blow. You know, your daughter's dead. Don't don't bother the teacher anymore. But I, but I love I love what happens in the story. You know, we we see what happens here that hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe and she will be healed. Now, for some of us, we go, man, that's just, that's too, that's too simple. To just believe? They just said your daughter's dead, man. I mean, you know, what, what are you thinking? But Jesus said, hey, listen, don't, don't be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When I, when I read this passage, it reminds me of the, my mom before, uh, when she was in the hospital one time. And I've shared a story many times. I'll tell you why in a second. And so my mom uh, was battling liver disease. She had, uh, she had cirrhosis of the liver. My dad was an alcoholic for whatever reason, he had a great liver, but my mom, she had cirrhosis of the liver and they think it was from taking medications uh, throughout her life. So she's dying of cirrhosis of the liver. And uh, anyway, so they'd call the family in and we're, we're in my mom's, uh, uh, you know, uh, room there. And, and so the doctor asked me to step out in the hallway. And so we step out there. And he said, uh, Mr. Mazingo, he said, you need to make a decision whether or not you want us to resuscitate your mom whenever she goes into cardiac arrest. And I was like, well, absolutely. And uh, he said, like, you know, well, all right, we'll do whatever we can. And uh, I said, do you feel like I've done everything that you can? He said, we've done all we can. And I said, all right, well, we're going to do everything we can. We're going to pray that she walks out of this hospital. And he looked at me like, you big idiot. And uh, he walks down the hallway and. Anyway, we walk back in the room, we gather around my mom's bed, and we begin to pray for God to heal my mom. And there were people in that room that were not believers. And my prayer was, God, you know, I pray that you would heal my mom, and I pray that you would use this as a testimony of your ability to heal. And, and God, I'm asking you to use it in the lives of the people standing around this bed as well. God, that you would, they would see your power. And, uh, and so I stayed that night, and I made sure that the nurses were bringing medicine whenever my mom was supposed to get it. And I stayed there to make sure that it was on time because there was times I'd be like, all right, you know, they're like they're like two minutes late. i walked in, down, hey, listen, what's up? Where you at? You know, and they probably hated me, but I was doing what I felt like I was supposed to do that night. And uh, anyway, two weeks later, my mom walked out of that hospital. God, God healed her. She walked out of that hospital. You might say, well, did he heal her of cirrhosis delivered? the liver? Nope, she died of that about a year and a half later. But she walked out of that hospital two weeks later. Not in a wheelchair. She walked out. And she lived for another year and a half, and we got to spend time with her. And I and I've made a promise to God that I would tell that story every chance I had. And it's because I believe. You know, and, and doctors couldn't explain it. And I'll just tell you this. There were people that were like, you know, that's a miracle. And I was like, yes, it was. And, and you might say, well, why didn't she live longer than that? It's because, hey, it's God's plan. It's God's will, right? That's what we want. But the thing is, is God has, had a plan. He wanted to use that and allow some of the people in, that were in that room. And hopefully... He'll use that story even today in some of your lives that you need to hear that. And so when he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John and James and the child's father and mother. Watch this. And meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. So Jesus is like, hey, listen, guys, stop wailing. Hey, listen, just trust me. And look at what they do. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child. Get up. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up, and then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. And so when we see that, we'll go, Man, that's that's crazy. You're right. That's that's God stuff. That's a miracle. You know, and, and we know hey Lazarus was resurrected, we understand that, you know, that Jesus raised him from the dead. But here we see Jesus call Hey man, get up. And they, and they give her something to eat. I love that. And then it, her parents were astonished. Can you imagine? All right. Hey, they're pleading. They're begging for Jesus to come to the house because they know he's the only way. And then they they get almost there and say, listen, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. I mean, so it's like roller coaster, boom, you know, just up and down. And then they're astonished because they're watching their daughter and they go in, they get her food and she begins to eat. But he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Jesus, is their only hope. He was their only hope. He should be our only hope. You might say, well, you know, well, Mike, doesn't God tell us to to use our common sense and to do other things? Absolutely. It's not Jesus plus something. It's just Jesus tells us what to do. Sometimes we do that, but our hope has to be in Christ and Christ alone. Our salvation can't be in, hey, good works. I'll do enough good works. Maybe God will let me into heaven. That's not how that works. It's in Jesus. It's in our, our faith is in Christ and Christ alone. That's it. And the only way that we have a right relationship with the father is through faith in what Jesus has done on the cross through the power of the resurrection. It doesn't matter what we might think, you know, we've done. He can forgive and he can, he can literally change our life if we'll surrender it to him. And so Jesus is our only hope. And for these two, he was their only hope. If I can touch the hem of his garment, that's my last chance. She tried everything he said, you know, and here's Jarius. He's, he's a religious guy. Maybe he's been praying. Maybe he's got his friends to pray, but he's like, you know what? Jesus is my only hope. I'm going to him. Whether it costs me my job, whether it gets me in trouble with everybody, I'm going to him. He's my only hope. And maybe we need to be that desperate. Jesus had the power to heal. He still does. He can heal you emotionally. He can heal you physically. He can heal you in any way he wants to. But here's the thing. He may give you some steps to take. There were times that he would he would heal the blind man. He'd say, listen, I want you to go and bathe in this pool. There's some steps of faith to do. Hey, I'm going, to, I'm going to heal you, but you need to go to the, to, the, to the religious leaders and let them check you out. That was part of the process. There's a step to take. And so maybe Jesus is saying, listen, I'll heal you, but you're going to go to the doctor. And I'm going to use this doctor that you're going to be a witness to that doctor. Whatever it might be, we've got to say, God, I trust you and that my faith is in you. But Jesus has the power to heal. Sometimes he uses the very own hand. He will touch us and heal us. And there's times he uses other ways. And we've got to be willing to say, God, I'm good with whatever your way is. There's people like said that have said, you know what, I'm not going to use anything else. It's only going to be God. And God said, Hey, listen, I was going to use this other way. It's my will, not your 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 what you claim. And so we've got to be willing to submit to that. True healing only comes through Jesus. There's really no other way to be healed other than through Christ. And I would say this relationally, emotionally, especially in those areas. We're broken vessels. Every one of us in this room, we're broken. We've been wounded. Some of you have got more trauma than others. I get that. And you've been through some tough times. But really, I'll just tell you this. You will never truly be healed apart from Christ. He is our healer. It's by his stripes we are healed. And that is that is physically, emotionally, and relationally in every possible way. Our healing really only comes through Christ. It's not humanism. It's not me cowboying up. It's not me pulling my boots up, you know, and doing a little bit more and working harder. It's sometimes it's, it's surrendering and letting go and saying, Jesus, you are my healer. You are my only hope. It's letting go of things sometimes that we find the greatest healing. And we've often tried everything else, just like the woman. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online and you tried everything else. And man, you, you know that, you know maybe I probably should give Jesus a, a try, but man, it just seems so out there. It just seems so impossible. You're right, it is impossible with you. But nothing is impossible with God, right? And so maybe for you today, maybe it's salvation. You go, you know what, man, I believe that Jesus can truly save me. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe he's the Son of God. I believe he can redeem me. I believe that he can heal my broken heart. And some of you guys have tried everything. You tried relationships. You tried drugs. You tried whatever, and you go, you know what, man? I'm still broken. I'm still hurting. But I'm telling you, Jesus can heal. He wants to heal you. I love this passage here. A couple of passages out of uh, Psalms here. It says, "I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from Him." Pastor Daniel told, told us last week, man, being still, waiting on Him. But look at that. I wait quietly before God. When was the last time you were quiet before God? For some of you, this may be the quietest and the stillest you've been in a long time. Just to be quiet and be still before God. Look at it again. For my victory comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Is He? Is that what He is to you? Look at this next and drop it down to verse 5. Let all that I am wait quietly before God for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. Look at this. My victory and honor come from him from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? Look at this. Oh my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. We can pour our heart out to God in prayer. And he will hear our heart. He will hear our voice. He will hear our pleas. And maybe today, maybe you realize, you know what? I haven't been desperate enough. I've been trying everything else. But maybe finally today you say, you know what, I'm, I'm coming to Him. Here's some next steps for us. One is to pray. You might say, Mike, you know, at least today I realize, you know, prayer is something I can do. It's not something i got to learn how to do. You can learn how to be a better prayer warrior. I'll, I'll give you that. You can learn how to pray a little bit better. And more, maybe more specific. and maybe. Purpose. But here's the thing. Prayer is communication with God. It's talking with God. And so the second thing would be to trust, com- trust Jesus completely. Put your trust in Him say Jesus I trust you maybe ask yourself right now do I really trust him completely I trust him to save my soul but I don't trust him with my finances I trust him to save me from hell but I don't trust him to heal me I trust him to save you know me from 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 hell and go to heaven but yet I don't trust him to save my marriage or to work in my children or to you know to redeem my family do you really trust him and then here's here's the last one I want to I want to challenge you to Fast for the next twenty-one days from something, from something. I don't, you know, it, it, it's up to you, whatever that might be. And do whatever God allows you to do. You know, maybe there's physiologically there's some things you can't do, health wise. There's some things you can't do. But what is fasting? Fasting is relinquishing the natural for the supernatural. You're giving something up for that twenty-one days. Maybe you're giving up, you know, bread, you know, for twenty-one days, or maybe you're giving up, you know, social media for twenty-one days or something. Something that when it, every time you want it, you go. You know what? I'm gonna go pray. And I'm going to pray for God to do some things that only God can do. And uh, you know, I thought about, you know, some of you could give up coffee, but you might kill each other. I don't know. But you can say, you know what, God, I want to give something up that every time I want it, I know that, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to have it, but I'm going to pray in place of that. And I'm going to let my focus be. And I want you to pray for these things as we move through the next 21 days. I want you to pray for lives to be changed. That's what this whole series is about, Life-changing prayers. And let me just tell you this, your prayer over the next 21 days may be the prayer that God says, you know what, I'm going to answer that one. And it may be your dad or your mom or your brother, your sister or your son or your daughter, your aunt or your uncle. It may be your neighbor. It may be your coworker is going to come to know Christ. And you go, man, God answered that prayer. So I want you to pray with us each day for lives to be changed. And then pray for the lost to be saved. Pray for somebody out there that does not know Christ to hear the gospel and respond in faith and to put their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. Pray for our online services. Maybe there's somebody that's hearing it today for the first time. Pray, God, you know, I pray that the lost will be saved, that they will find their hope, they will find their salvation in Jesus. Here's another one. Pray for revival in our community. Let it start here. Let it start right here in our hearts. God, I want you to bring revival to me. In my heart. God, start in my heart and let it, let it begin to sweep like a wildfire throughout our community. Let it begin in our church. Well, Let's pray for revival. A revival is like a resuscitation. God, resuscitate us. I almost feel like I need to tell the 9 o'clock service, God, resuscitate this service. It's like they're dead in here. And I would just say to you guys, God, resuscitate us. Bring us back to life. Help us stay focused on what matters most. Here's the last one. Pray for healing in our families. Man, we know there's so many families that are fractured and broken. Pray for healing. Mike might say, man, I've been praying that prayer for years. Maybe you need to pray more fervently and passionately than you've ever prayed before. Maybe you've just never been desperate enough. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. Or maybe you're watching online and you've never put your faith in Christ. Let today be the day of salvation for you. Trust Jesus. Put your hope in Him. There may be some of you in this room that you've got something you need to leave at the altar. You need to just go and lay it down. Maybe you're online you go, Mike, I can't get to that altar there at the church. You can get down beside the coffee table. You can get down by the couch. You can let that be your altar. But you need to leave it there. You need to lay it down. I want to ask everybody if you would just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to pray. Pray for the lost to be saved. But more than anything, I want you to ask God to show you what you need to do today. Maybe you're here today in the room or maybe you're here watching online and you've never put your faith in Christ for salvation. You tried everything else. Maybe today you realize, you know what? I need to put my faith in Christ. I need to be saved. I want a relationship with God. And I realize today it's only through faith in Christ. He's tugging at your heart, He's drawing you close. That's what the Spirit does. Just let go and let God save you. You might say, well, Mike, how do you do that? Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have messed up, I have blown it, have, I'm broken He already knows that But you're confessing it to him And when you confess it to him, you're communicating with him You're saying, God, I'm in agreement with you That I'm, I'm in need of a Savior and So Jesus, will you come into my life Just ask him, invite him so Jesus, will you come into my life, you be my leader, you be my Lord Will you live in the center of me and guide me His answer is yes To so Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living That's repentance Repentance is turning from our sin and turning to God I say, God, I want you to lead me and guide me from this point forward if that's your prayer, He will save you. He'll bring you into His family. He'll begin to use you to make a difference in the lives of the people around you. If you're here in the room and you just prayed that prayer for salvation, if you don't mind, would you just raise your hand? I'm, I'm looking around just to see who, who I can pray for. I see a hand back there. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Thank you, brother, for raising your hand. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome home. It's only by faith you're saved. And if you prayed that prayer in faith, you're part of His family. Maybe you did that online. If you don't mind, text us, just let us know. We want to walk with you. The next step is following Christ in believers' baptism. But praise God for this one that put his faith in Christ. Our prayers are answered in this young man. I love that. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. The worship team's going to lead us in a song. And I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the front. They'll be here at the front. There may be somebody that uh, maybe you just need to go forward and say, Hey, listen, I just need you to pray for me. They're they're here. That's what we did up here yesterday was training and preparing to pray for people. And so I want to give you an opportunity to respond. You respond as the Lord leads. But as they sing, if there's something you need to go lay on the altar, man, just trust Jesus. Just go do it. Maybe sometimes we just need somebody to pray over us. There's something about when someone lays their hand on and prays over us. Man, it's just... It it ministers to the soul. So I want to ask everybody across the room, if you would, just to stand. Everyone stand. You respond as God leads you. But the altars are open. The prayer team will be here. And you respond as the Lord leads.